Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome back to the Euro Puck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Hayden, or Oddman Rush, as you can see up there, and joining me is, of course, Chris Gadsby. Heya, Chris. Hello. How's hello. it going today? Yes, not bad, not bad. Been busy with the builders still. Bathroom almost finished, but uh, another half a day apparently on it. And then we'll have a bathroom and then it's another day and then we can use the bathroom. <laughs> I see. So, so you've got a little while until you can enjoy your new paid for bathroom and enjoy all the wonders that a bathroom has to offer. <laughs> yeah, and then my bank account's going to cry. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, speaking of bank accounts crying, um, for a, a lot of video game fans out there, the Xbox Series X and Series S were um, released for pre-orders today, and I was expecting my bank account to be a little bit upset today based on wanting to pre-order one, um, but I woke up too late and they're all sold out. So on the one hand, oh, I didn't get to pre-order one for November 10th, but on the other hand, my bank account's like, you know what, Hayden, you're chill today. Like, don't even worry about it. So, so you know, you know that every every cloud has its silver lining, right, folks? Um, but anyway, uh, today is Tuesday, the 22nd of September. We're almost at the end of September already, um, and there's a lot of European hockey to talk about this week, isn't there, Chris? Yeah, we've got, what, five leagues underway now and another two starting this week. So this is where the uh, Europuck podcast is really going to start to come into its own because we'll tell you everything that has happened over the last seven days in a nice one-hour session. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Close. <laughs> Based on the fact that we're now having five like big European leagues to talk about, obviously, the further we get into it, we're not going to talk so much about necessarily the Danish league or the Polish league. We'll obviously prioritize the bigger leagues when the Finnish Liga joins in and the Swiss National League and the DEL get kicked off. We're obviously going to kind of like shuffle around the leagues that we focus on. Make sure you uh, watch the bonus episodes so you don't miss anything. Because we have to cut some stuff out <clears> into those. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you're listening to this on Spotify or the audio version, go and check out the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. We upload bonus clips twice a week there also. And it's kind of the stuff that we we talk about while recording the episode that we think, oh, like that's an important topic to talk about or it's an interesting story, but it's not long enough to kind of constitute its own segment on the show. Or it's something that like, it's kind of diff a lot different to everything else we're talking about on the show. So yeah, go and check out the uh, uh, the YouTube channel. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, thank you very much. Um, so you can see our beautiful faces. Exactly. So should we just should we just kick off with the KHL, Chris? I feel like that's a good place to start. You know, it's I think that is probably the best place to start. Yes. Yeah. So um, I have the KHL standings, which look a little bit like this. This is as of yesterday, uh, as far as I'm aware. So. Um, in the uh, Western Conference, we have SKA St. Petersburg at the top with 13 points in eight games. CSKA Moscow taking second place with 11 points in seven games. Then you've got uh, Dynamo Minsk that have jumped up two places in the standings uh, to take third place. Lokomotiv and uh, Dynamo Moscow have both dropped a couple of places, although Lokomotiv's only played five games this season. Um, Sevastal in sixth, Spartak Moscow in seventh, Jokerit in eighth. Uh, and that's all the playoff positions at the moment, obviously really early on in the season to be thinking about the playoffs but that's the way that the uh, playoffs are organized and then um ninth place you have vityaz 10th place you have dinamo riga and 11th place you have hc sochi so obviously csk moscow and sk uh, and sk st petersburg the reason there's kind of like the line between one and two and then three to eight is because they're the leaders in the conference in the divisions so uh, Dinamo Minsk might be. I'm. I'm not 100 sure on how the uh, uh, divisions are aligned um, so far. Uh, but... Dinamo Minsk are in CSKA's division. <clears throat> okay, so for example, if if uh, Dinamo Minsk were to win a couple more games and SK, uh, SK St. Petersburg were to drop their next few games, SK St. Petersburg will still be either one or two in those standings because they're still topping their division. If that makes sense. They might not be top of the Western Conference, but they're top of their division, so they've given like one or the one or two spots. I think that's how the KHL does it. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. That sounds about right, so I'm gonna roll with it. Um, and for the Eastern Conference, we've got Avangard at the top with 13 points in eight games, so pretty much the exact same record to uh, SK St. Petersburg in the West. Um, Avto Mobilist, Pavel Datsuk's team, he's on a point streak. 13 points in seven games. So they've got a game in hand. They could jump up to first. Then you've got Metalurg, Salavat, Akbars, Kazan, Traktor, Baris, and Novosibirsk for the three to the eighth spots. With Novosibirsk only winning one game in regulation so far this season, but they take the eighth seed, so I wouldn't complain. 
Then um, for the teams that are currently out of the playoffs, uh, 9th is Torpedo, 10th is Nefta Himmig, 11th is Amur, and at the 12th and final place in the standings with one point in seven games, Kunlun Red Star. But the good thing is they are starting to pick up some of their prospects from overseas or some of their players from um, other areas in the world. They finally got a lot of their visa sorted out, so... Give it a little bit of time. Um, we're not expecting them to be top of the standings by the end of the season, but they could compete for a playoff spot once everybody's a little bit more comfortable. They understand the kind of the, the playing style that they need to go for. So, yeah, and obviously with um, uh, Vladivostok not playing this year, there's only 23 teams. That's why there isn't uh, 12 teams in the Western Conference. So, Chris, after, what, two, two and a half weeks? It's about three weeks now that the season starts. It started on Wednesday, didn't it? It was uh, three weeks ago on Wednesday. How, how are you finding the KHL so far? What are your thoughts on the standings? Anyone surprising you still? Anybody not surprising you? Talk to me. Um, well, Kunlun, the only team not to have a win so far this season. Yeah. Um, uh, at the bottom. Um, interesting kind of how, how similar some teams are. Like you say, SK St. Petersburg with mm -hmm. Avangard. Yeah. They have the exact same record. They've even like lost one overtime game, lost mm -hmm. one regular season game. They scored the same number of goals. Yeah. Um, having got slightly better defensively, um, but we, I think we're very much now starting to see that split, particularly in the East, between the top kind of five and the rest. Yeah, there's that three-point gap, mm. um, and there isn't games in hand to bring that in. So you you got the top five starting to separate themselves from the rest. You could make an argument that because Cullen are struggling so much at the start of this season and Amir as well, um, obviously because as we've said they haven't got their imports in, in Cullen's case, then the teams in the East that face them more often will find it potentially a bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes down to the playoffs at, at the end of the season, that's, that's not really going to matter. But mm. um I don't think I'm really too surprised about anything. Everyone seems to be kind of carrying on with the the way that they were. Yeah. Um, we had a great game yesterday um, between Minsk and uh, Sibir. Had a look at it on uh, online afterwards, and they scored two within the first minute and three seconds. Oh wow! Okay. Um, which led to uh, Sibir pulling the netminder. Um, after a minute and three seconds, oh, really? it must have been the first. It must have been the first two shots. Yeah, um, they scored 15 seconds in, and then at one minute and three seconds, and then um, yes, the netminder, the severe netminder, lasted a total of one minute and three seconds. Oh. Uh, three shots on goal, two goals against oh. for a 33.3 percent out save percentage. For a goals against average in oh, this no. game... Oh, no. <laughs> have a guess. Go on. Uh, well, goals against, if we're talking uh, two goals allowed on three shots, it's going to be very, very high. 114.29. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, for, um, for Satry Harry. Um, for, uh, sorry, for Harry Satry. Fortunately, um, Alexei uh, Krasikov came in uh, and uh, had 30 saves from 32 shots. Um, so he did steady the ship. Um, and uh, so they only ended up losing by five goals to, uh, to four. Okay. Um, so he did manage to steady the ship. But I, I just looked at that and I just went, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I had to. It's only just looking at the detailed game sheet now that I realized. Because I knew so early on, I was like, has he let in two for two? Yeah. Um, but no, it was two for three that he um, that he let in. So, yeah, not um, not brilliant there. Which is which is interesting because uh, Satiri has been a pretty decent netminder in the KHL over the last few years. I guess it's just a case of wasn't his day. When you know what happens to every player. Um, in terms of uh, yeah, yeah. In terms of the teams that are kind of surprising me early on this season, Dinamo Minsk are doing a fantastic job so far this year. I, they are they are a team that are usually towards the bottom of the standings and they're third place in the Western Conference. They're one point behind CSKA Moscow. If you told me at the start of this year, obviously there's still a lot going on in Belarus and the Minsk area, which 
is not related to hockey, so you could argue there might be something with that to do with it, or you, I mean, that would be more of a reason as to them maybe not playing so well, because there's a, a few things going on, and there being a few distractions. Obviously, they got that default win against Jokerit, but they, they've played really well regardless, like, let's be honest here. They've got, what, three wins in regulation, five wins in total this season, and seven games for ten points on the year, like, that's a really impressive job, and they've obviously jumped up to third place. Um, Severstal have quite surprised me being up in sixth already, uh, given the fact that they're usually a team that kind of hovers towards the 8-10 to 10 seed in the conference. Obviously, this comes with the caveat that Jokerit still in eighth place, but they, they're still higher than the ninth, 10th, and the 11th place, and they've only played three games. They've played half the games of the team be teams below them, and they're still on four points in three games, so I would expect they, they're going to be up there in the conference once... Uh, they get their games back because for those of you that aren't aware the um quarantine on yokrit was lifted yesterday or the day before so the team can now practice and take to the ice in their game on september 25th against nova Sibirsk. so they're going to get the chance to come back and play some more hockey and in terms of the other uh, the conference the eastern conference i think akbar's kazan being in fifth place is, is a bit surprising to me but that's only because they're tied for they're tied for points up to third place in the conference and they have a game in hand on Avangard and Salavat Yuleyev. So that's not so much of a, uh, not so much of a, oh, they're down in fifth because they suck. It's, oh, they're down in fifth because they're keeping pace with pretty much the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's not, it's not too bad for them, is it, Chris? Yeah, no, they keep, they're keeping pace with everybody. Um, I mean, if they win their game in hand and results go their way, they could shoot to the top of the East. So exactly, I, yeah. they're, they're kind of, I think they they're lowered down purely because of the early stage of the of the season and the fact that everybody is as close Winning. as they are. Yeah. I think give it give it another month and you'll find that they get into the top two and three um when the, the gaps start to appear. Oh, definitely. And I I think obviously the the story that we're seeing here three weeks into the season is there's a lot more distance between the top team and of the sort of the fifth or sixth seed in the Western Conference than there is the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference have come out running the top five or six teams. I mean, Tractor Chelyabinsky in sixth place isn't doing too bad either. Four wins in seven games. So, you know, th there's a lot of fun hockey to watch in the KHL over the next few weeks and the next few months. And we'll obviously keep you up to date with what's going on. And speaking of another topic related to the KHL, I want to show you this piece of news. The KHL announced on, when was it? Uh, the 17th of September that uh, more than 466.5 million rubles, which sounds like a huge amount of money, but for context, it's about $6.2 million, 5.3 million euros. So that would be what, like 5 million pounds, something like that, roughly 4.7, something like that. Um, so, something like that. Yeah, so about roughly $6 million has been earned by the KHL for last season's TV rights, which is which has now been distributed among the league's member clubs. And this is the biggest sum that has ever been distributed this way. And this is a look at the list that I've thrown up here for you guys. So this is how all of the money that the KHL has earned from their TV deal over last season, how it's been distributed. And it's really interesting how they do this. And I like the way that they distribute the money in the KHL because... They take how well they play, or they, they give them a certain amount for the regular season. They then take in the demand for their user base. So how many people from that country or how many people from that town or city are tuning into the TV games. And then if you make the playoffs, you get a certain amount of money too. So for example, Jokerit of all teams has come out the highest earning team from this TV deal. They earn 50 million rubles, 50.6 if you want to be exact. They get their 5.1 for being in the regular season like all the other other teams do but then they get 36 million dollars or 36 million rubles i should say in the tv demand for the team so obviously there's a lot of finnish fans that think you know what the yokrit should be back in the finnish liga nobody wants to see them in the finnish liga anymore whether it's the home yokrit fans or the away team or the rest of finland kind of following yokrit in the khl you can't deny that there's a lot of demand for yokrit to be in the khl and also the fact that um, it's important to mention, as it says down here, uh, Jokerit, CSKA Moscow, SK St. Petersburg, Akbars Kazan, Salavat Yuleyev, Dynamo Moscow, Sabir, and Baris Astana, they all gained more money for the playoffs because they all made it to the second round. So they got 9.1 million rubles. And obviously the playoffs were cancelled during the second round. So all the teams that made it to the first round, like Avangard, Lokomotiv, Sochi, Metalurg, etc., etc., they only got 3.8 million rubles for the playoffs. And obviously all the teams down the bottom, they didn't get anything for because they didn't make the playoffs. So 
interesting um admiral uh, vladivostok also earned nine bill uh, nine million rubles from last season because obviously they're not in the league this year they got the usual um number and the tv demand was the third lowest in the entire league so that doesn't help too much for them um it's interesting to see tractor chelyabinsk down the bottom there um, Amur, Kaloon, Red Star, you can kind of understand those teams down there, but Tractor Chelyabinsk is a pretty decent team throughout the KHL, and they're the lowest earning team from the regular season last year. So obviously they have a very dedicated yet small fan base. I would imagine the best comparison for North Americans is kind of like the Winnipeg Jets. Like they've got a dedicated fan base there, but it's not a huge fan base for the city of Winnipeg or the surrounding areas. So Chris, you see all this money flying around. Obviously it's not a huge amount compared to Western standards. You hear the big numbers. What are your thoughts on this? Obviously, Jokrit being at the top, some of the other big hitters in the league being at the top as well. Dinamo Riga being quite high up there, given the fact that they've got 19 million rubles in TV demand as well. What are your thoughts on this, Chris? You've stolen my point. Yeah, oh, I was I? Oh, I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry. I was going to say it's obviously alongside Jokrit getting all the Finnish... Um, TV demand. You've got Dima Riga that's getting the Latvian TV demand, mm. um, which is why they've got nearly 20 million rubles in that. Yeah, it is surprising to see tracks down towards the bottom. Um, I mean, when you look at the map, you've got around Tractor, you have uh, what, Metallurg, Sal uh, Salavat, and um, Avtomobilist. So there's a lot of other teams kind of around that area. Yeah. Um, so I think, as you said, they've got kind of yeah a, a decent uh, fan base, but it's, um, a, a small one. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're they're small and dedicated, as you said. Um, have a look at their. I mean, they've only got a seven and a half thousand capacity arena as well, so it's not as though they're, you know, the the fan base is massive. So that's yeah. probably why the TV deal money is is lower there. I like the way that it is distributed. Um, they must figure out the TV demand based on viewing figures or something along those yeah. lines. Um, interesting, of course, as well, that um, even though... So you've got Jokerit and CSK Moscow, they get obviously the same regular season and they've got the same playoff totals. Yeah. Um Jokrit have 30 million more rubles than CSKA in TV demand, but then they only finish up with less than 4 million more in total payments. Yeah, that's interesting. I've only just noticed that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to... So I, well, there's it's one of two things. Either there's a typo. Yeah. Because otherwise you've got Jokrit at 50 million, CSKA at 46, and then the next one at 27. Yeah. So let me just do some quick adding up on that. Okay. Uh, five and six is 11. That's 20. Next, then they'd be down at 20. Maybe there's some other thing coming in. I'm not entirely sure. No, okay, right. Yeah. It's that extra 5 million, isn't it, at the bottom of there? The mm. clinching round two. So, yes. So, um, yeah, that should be 26 on CSK, I think, on that graphic. Okay, or there's some other pot of got, money that's added into it that they haven't added on this list. Well, you've got 5-1 plus 6 is 11-1, 11, 11 and a yep. half, 20 and a half, 20.6. And then if you add on the extra 5.3 rubles for clinching round two, that makes 26.9. So I think but, there's a bit I, of a typo. I think, I, think the, I think the added 5.6356 rubles is added into that playoff total yeah. on the right-hand side anyway. So yeah, there, there's obviously CSKA have got like an extra 20 million rubles from something then. There's obviously a bit of a discrepancy there, I think it's fair to say. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it might be a case of they have earned that much, but it's through other things they haven't added on this list because they might have just dumbed down this list to make it easier yeah, for I'll all see the if there's anything in the something. article. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So yeah, um, the, the one I want to mention kind of while you're doing that is obviously Jokerit have a huge amount of TV demand. Dinamo Riga have a huge amount of TV demand. The only other team I'm thinking of, the other two teams that I'm thinking of that aren't in Russia, that you could perhaps see having a similar circumstance where they're not in Russia, they're in a different country, either Belarus or China, and they're getting a huge interest because it's the sec second or, or the best hockey league in Europe or in the eastern uh, side of Europe. Um, Kunlun Red Star, sure, I'll give them credit because hockey isn't huge in China at the moment, but they're still not last. I'll give them credit. Like there's there's growing interest. 
their, their TV demand is higher than quite a lot of the lower Russian teams, to be fair. If they did it in order of TV demand, they get 4 million, 4.8 million rubles from that. So they're up with a team like Avto Mobilist. They're up with a team like Sabir Novosibirsk. So there's plenty of teams like Spartak Moscow, Vityaz, Neftahimig, uh, Sevastal, Admiral, Amur, Tractor. Like, there's a lot of teams that are lower for them in the TV demand. So that's really interesting also, mm. the fact that... Right, I've... I've solved the CSKA thing. Okay. Uh, if you look at the actual article where it gives you more figures, right. uh, they receive 18.3 million rubles for winning the regular season. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there we go. They, they receive 18.3 million for winning the regular season, which bumps the book to, to 46. That makes complete sense. Yep. Uh, it would have helped if they'd so, like had a little asterisk there to tell us, but you know, we, we yeah, can't expect them to do that, all the work for us. <laughs> so yeah, so so it's interesting to also see Dinamo Minsk, obviously the only Belarusian team of the league. They get five point five million in TV demand. There's there's still a lot of discrepancies that don't quite add up further down the list. Like Admiral, for example, they got a total payment of nine point eight, but their regular season was five point one, and then they got three. So that's 8.1, but then they earn 9.8. So there's obviously some other some other factors in there or in terms of like how much they retained from the salary cap or something like that that might have gone into it. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, those are the viewing figures. You've got Jokerit, slap bang at the top. I'm pretty sure they've been at the top for the last couple of years now. And it really does kind of make you think if, they, if the KHL did expand into other markets, how many of the sort of lone teams in that market, like... Say if they did expand to Sweden, for example, and they expanded to Switzerland and they expanded to Germany and they had like solid teams there, kind of similar to the level of Jokerit or uh, you can even make mm. the argument, well, they'd be probably better than Dinamo Riga, but maybe not as good as Jokerit or on par with Jokerit. It would be really interesting to see like how much TV demand those countries would get too. That would be really fascinating to know based on the fact that, you know, Jokerit, the only Finnish team in the league, do really well and Dinamo Riga are not a good team in the league. They're usually towards the bottom of the standings, yet they make a huge amount of money because Latvians are some very dedicated hockey fans. We said this several times mm. on the on the podcast already, but Latvians love their hockey and we love them. So let's move on. So obviously, to... normally, okay, uh, just very quickly before we move yeah, on, yeah, so yeah, normally, no obviously, the, the teams can use the money to bolster the team, and now there's a salary cap. Yes. Well, because so, before there was a soft salary cap similar to the NBA. Yeah. But now there's a hard salary cap. So there's only a certain amount you can spend. Yeah. So, would you like to know what the KHL officials have advised the clubs to spend the money on? Uh, this is the, the money towards the salary cap or this money? No, this is, this is the money they've got from, the, from that graphic. So, the total okay. payments from TV deals. Okay, so the, I, they, I'm going I'm to guess that they've advised the teams to, first of all, probably like make their arenas safe, given the fact that it's like the coronavirus at the moment. That might not be on the list, but I would imagine that goes in there somewhere. Um, and I'd imagine it's probably to like, probably to either pay all the signing bonuses or make sure that they're up to date financially with their players and stuff, which some of the teams haven't been in the past. <laughs> Admiral Vladivostok. <laughs> um, and um, I think I, I would go for the assumption it's like to kind of improve the fan experience, but I feel like that's not going to be it. Tell me, Chris, put me out my misery. That's, no, that's a big part of it. So okay. you've got modernizing arena infrastructure okay. for things such as control management systems, upgrading ticketing systems, that sort of thing. Um, enhancing the spectator experience. Okay. And then the rest is all kind of to help with the TV stuff. So right. organizing high quality video conferences for the media including the purchase of professional equipment, improving and modernizing TV coverage of home games where that's funded by the club okay. and enhancing the quality of video content. I mean, that's good. The fact that they're being like, look, you're getting this money because the TV deals are doing well. You've got to make like, it put, better. Yeah, you've got to put money into that to make it better. And I'll give credit to the, the bigger teams in the league. Their, their, their coverage rivals the NHL. Like it's good coverage. Like it's quite impressive. Obviously, some of the teams lower down, maybe not so much. But it's nice to see that, yeah, the KHL has its flaws. Don't get me wrong. But they have a pretty good infrastructure in place. And I always find looking at this kind of thing interesting. But I've realized how far we are into the episode. So we really need to move on to some of these other leagues. Because we've got one other big league to talk about that we can kind of just 
flick through some of the other ones. Then we've got a few extra topics. So let's move on to the Swedish Hockey League now, Chris. Um, they've only played one yep. game so far. I believe uh, there's more games coming up today as we're recording this. I think one's uh, either started recently or it's now going because it's on free sports today, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'll just check that. So there is one game. It starts uh, in 25 minutes yeah. hours time. It's Malmo against Lexans. Okay, there we go. So, um, and also there's a lot of teams that still haven't played any games this season. So by the end of this game and by the time this uh, uh, podcast is recorded, um, uh, Dejardin, uh, Oskarham, uh, Vaksha and uh, Orbro still won't have played a game. Obviously, by the time this episode goes out, they most likely will have. But there you go. So, um, Chris, do you want to take us through the standings? Do you have the SHL standings there? I have them here if you don't. But I, I Yeah, I've got the SHL standings. Um, so, early on, Frilunda top the table. They've played one, won one, one shutout. There you go. Uh, they put out HV71 in their first game. Rurla uh, is up there as well. Alea, Skelefter, uh, and Lexans are the other ones with points. Um, so, we've had four games so far. Three regulation time wins and an overtime win. Yep. Um, so for Alunda, uh, Rögler and Leia beat HV71, Fajistad and Linkoping uh, respectively. And then Skelevter beat Lexans uh, in overtime. So they get two and one points respectively there as well. So very, very early days uh, in the Swedish Hockey League. Yep. Um, but for Alunda, as we are so used to them seeing in the... <laughs> Champions Hockey League are out front, although they did have a bad uh, year last season because they're not in the... um... I mean, it doesn't look like it anymore, does it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously, given the fact that it's one game into the season, that doesn't mean a huge amount. For Lunda, have some yeah, really good players really on their roster. Much about it. Yeah, exactly. We just wanted to yeah, kind of update you because we, we want to use the podcast to be like, look, here are the standings for each of the leagues. Gives you a chance to kind of keep an eye on everything. Then if there's any interesting stories related to that specific league that we're talking about, kind of similar to the TV deal with the KHL we just talked about, then we could use it as an excuse to kind of move on. So... Uh, move into those interesting topics or more interesting topics. So, yeah, there's a look at the SHL standings. Like Chris mentioned, only half the teams have played a game so far this season. So we'll obviously talk about the SHL a lot more as the weeks go on. But we wanted to make sure you were updated with the stuff that was going on at the moment. So if you're looking for a team to to support that has had a lot of success over the last few years, Frölunda is a great place to start. And speaking of Frölunda, it's a good thing that we're talking about them because there has been an announcement by Frölunda recently. And I have the announcement here. Um, it was made, uh, when was it made? It was made five days ago, apparently. Frölunda HC's board has decided that the association will change its logo, but not its character. Now, obviously, I think it's important to bring in the context of this. Um, a lot of North Americans that follow the NFL will know that the Washington Redskins, that are now known as the Washington football team, they've had a lot of controversy and a lot of discussions about changing their logo and their name because it's related to... Um, the, the Native Americans and kind of some of the more distressing parts of their history because red skinning was uh, an act that was committed by um, I think the, the settlers to the natives. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm not too keyed up with it but it's something along those lines to which it's it's damaging or, or people from a Native American background kind of feel it's a, um, it's a difficult thing to support. Like you shouldn't be supporting a team that's potentially directly associated with something so terrible right um you, whether you agree with it or not that's the situation that's going on i'm not here to give my opinion on it i'm just here to tell you the facts on that part of it i'm not an nfl fan hugely i just kind of follow it relatively but because that conversation has been happening there's obviously been lots of conversations happening in other sports and other teams within different sports that either have some sort of representation from native americans or or natives or anything like that kind of having that kind of that native representation whether it's uh permission but they've had permission from those communities to do so or whether it's just been there for the last 50 60 100 years and nobody's questioned it until now so this is the uh statement that Fulunda put out um and chris i'll get your thoughts on it after i've read it out so the indian which has been the association's logo since 1995 will be replaced The board's decision is based on the impact assessment of the association's name and logo that the organization has worked out and presented. Now, this is Google translated from Swedish to English, so there may be a few discrepancies there. Let me just add that. Um, Changing the logo will not be an easy process, and the association will not take it lightly either. 
The strength of the upcoming change the upcoming change work is that the association's brand, values, and soul do not rest in a symbol. For under HC is much more and bigger than that, and the association will use it in the process. Together with supporters and partners, the association will find the right way forward. The board realizes that this message arouses emotions, but at the same time rests confident that the decision in an investment in the future, remember that Frolunda HC has had four club brands since the association was formed back in 1994. For practical and financial reasons, Frolunda HC will play with the Indian on the chess this season. Um, there is in the association's pandemic affected activities, neither finances nor time to act in any other way. The ambition is to have a new logo in place for the 2021 slash 2022 season. So to kind of summarize that, they know they've decided they're going to change the logo. It's not something they're going to take very lightly. They know that the logo itself isn't a full representation of what the Frolunda Indians are or Frolunda HC, however you want to call them. It's not a true representation or a complete representation of their team. Um, they've decided because of the current situation, there hasn't been enough time to create a new logo and get it ready for this current season, which obviously started last week. So they've decided for this season, for the 2020-21 season, they're going to play with their Frolunda Indians with the Indian headdress logo. But for from next season onwards, they are hoping to have a new logo in place that will maybe not have so many connotations with with uh, Native Americans or Indians, as they're called. Um, so yeah, that's essentially what summarizing what the statement said. So Chris, now that you've heard that, what are your thoughts on this change? Yeah, I mean, I can understand it. I mean, we've been seeing in the news all the time about the pressures of kind of eliminating the... I was, was going to say eliminating the past, but we've had obviously people uh, here in this country where statues have come down of yeah. people that were um, with, within the slave trade a few hundred years ago. Yep. Um, and there was obviously the pressure on, on the Redskins in the NFL. So I can see obviously why they felt they, that they've had to make this change. I also think they've made a smart decision in not trying to rush it. And they've yep. said, look, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't, we haven't got the finances all the time to do it this season. We'll take our time. We'll get a really good looking logo. One that looks great. Um, and then implement it next season. Um, and I don't really think that anybody can have too many complaints about that, to be honest. I, um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm just over there, just on Twitter, just having to, having to translate obviously every single mm. um, tweet, but they seem to be relatively supportive of it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what... Um, We'll see what they come up with next year. Yeah, and um, I, I think I saw like a North American outlet that wrote an article on this, and a lot of the people were saying, "Oh well, the, like the Swedish kind of fans or the or the Swedish hockey fans were probably just like, okay, sure, because obviously they've got a bit of a reputation of just kind of being chill people, you know. I don't think this is going to cause any sort of huge upset. Obviously, it's been their logo for the last what twenty five years. Yeah, twenty five years. So. Obviously, there's a lot of fans that have grown up just with this logo. I mean, me following hockey, the Frölunda Indians, this is the logo that I associate with them. I don't have that long history of, of uh, knowing the Swedish Hockey League anyway, but obviously, it's been their logo since the year before I was born. So, you know, like, whenever I've looked at Swedish Hockey and I've looked at Frölunda, that's the logo I've seen. I would imagine that's very similar to a lot of Frölunda fans and a lot of Swedish Hockey League fans. So, I think you're completely right in the fact that they shouldn't rush it because let, let's be honest yeah they they need to change this logo or yeah it's something that they're they're looking to do because of whichever reasons they've also like had to get a team ready for this season in the middle of a global well, pandemic yeah. like like it's kind of one thing at a time folks we'll get to everything they they've obviously made it very clear that it's something they need to change or something they feel like they should change given the given the current world as it is i think it's important to mention the fact that it's not like like you mentioned with kind of the taking down the statues and kind of removing some people might argue it's kind of getting rid of history some people might argue it's kind of making the history that we want to remember whereas history is something that you should remember all elements of it both the good and the bad that doesn't mean you have to celebrate it but you need to make sure you remember all the good and bad so we don't repeat the same mistakes or we keep the successful things going it's it's an interesting situation because a lot of people might say oh it's just a logo for a team like what does it matter to some people, it will matter quite a lot. 
To some people, it might not. And that's fine, you know? But I think... I would imagine they've kind of consulted with a lot of their fan groups, potentially. I don't have any, like, inside information on this. But I would imagine they've been talking to their fan base and their community in Fralunda to be like, look, do you think we need to change it? Because they're, they're not going to come out and do it if there's no reason to, right? If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If the logo looks fine and they're happy with it, then they're not going to change it. Why would they need to? But if they've had these discussions with their fan base or people around the Swedish Hockey League or people around the sporting world and some of them are saying, like, is it relevant to our culture? Is it we're just using it because it's like a cool name and a cool title to have for our team? Obviously, the intentions, they've got to take a look at them and go, would it be better for us to make a different logo for this team that maybe better represents our organization as it is in the year 2020? Or should we keep it the same? And they've obviously decided to choose the former rather than the latter. So, I mean, I mean, give credit where credit is due. They're, they're trying something different. I mean, they've had the logo for the last 25 years. It's not as if this is a snap decision or something that they have like recently changed and then gone straight back on because of backlash or pressure, you know? Yeah, what I'm finding interesting here, I just, because I'm reading quite a few tweets that there's like no... Um, association with with native americans at all okay um so what i'm reading now is it, they kind of adopted the name um mm -hmm. because the team's aggressive play style was described as wild west task uh, tactics okay um so this was uh yeah in in uh, quite a while ago uh, the mm -hmm. successful years of the 1960s apparently fans started calling them the wild west um so they just kind of adopted the name so there is kind of no real i mean that's according to a couple of kind of hockey websites but so the, there's no real kind of link there it, it seems it seems they've adapted it because of it's almost like the broad street bullies and yeah you know that that sort of thing um so i, I shouldn't think it's uh would cause too many issues among the fan base for them to change i mean like you said being um, just completely neutral in this, I'm kind of indifferent. It makes kind of no difference to me what they call themselves or what the logo yeah, looks like. Exactly. Um, so, but I think they've got uh, a good opportunity here to, you know, get a really nice looking logo, maybe get some fan competitions in, fan suggestions, that sort of thing, and uh, see what uh, they can come up with over the next year. And I think what better way to kind of send off this logo that's had 25 years of of uh, success with the team or 25 years um, on, on the front of their jerseys than by having a good season this year, maybe winning a championship or another Champions Hockey League, because of course they will. And then, you know, send it off on a high note, no hard feelings. It's just, we move on with the times, you know? I think that, I think that would be the perfect send off for a, for a, a situation like this. Um, but so that's pretty much the Swedish Hockey League news that we've needed to talk about. We've got three of the minor European leagues that we want to talk about in a little bit more detail now. Uh, starting off with the Czech Extra Liga. Chris, do you want to take us through the uh, standings so far in the Czech Extra Liga? minor league. Our Czech fans will, will uh, have you hung, drawn and quartered for that. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the, uh, the Czech League, they've played two games now in the Czech League, apart from a couple of teams because there was postponements because of COVID-19. There's only one game going on at the moment where Trinec are beating uh, Litmanov by four goals to two. Uh, but it is uh, Billy Tibri-Liberic who are out top at the moment. Uh, a big 7-1 victory on opening day on Friday, followed by a 4-1 victory. It means they've scored 11 and conceded only two Ooh. to top uh, the league so far. Mountfield HK in second. They're also two for two. Uh, and if Trinet can hold on to this 4-2 lead that they've got at the moment, they will be the third team to go a perfect two for two to start this off. Uh, now, 12 teams make the playoffs out of the 14. So you've got Seska, Budjevic uh, and Zlin at the bottom at the moment. They're not going to uh, make it, but they are the only two teams that have gone two for nothing so far. Uh, sorry, 0 for 2 so far. Litvinov are looking like they're going to go that way as well unless they turn around that 4-2 deficit. Uh, Comte Bruno and Vitkovic, they are yet to play. Uh, and then you've got just a variety of uh, points in the middle from victories and overtime losses, really. But it's uh, Billy Tibber-Liberick and Mountfield HK who are leading the way out top, which is hardly surprising based on their Champions Hockey League 
credentials. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to mention third place Trinek, who are playing right now, obviously winning 4-2. Um, they were, I, I say were, as opposed to is, the home of um, highly valued Detroit Red Wings prospect Philip Zadina. But he's just gone down with an injury recently, and I think he's out for most of the season. So um, I guess this, obviously, this conversation that Chris and I have had over the last few weeks of, oh, there's only... There's only positives for these prospects going overseas and playing hockey games in their native countries or getting more ice time. There is obviously the chance that they do get injured and it might stunt their development or it might postpone some of their development a little bit further. A guy like Zadina, I think he'll be okay. He's a pretty solid hockey player. Um, but yeah, that is always the risk that you take. I, I don't think it should deter any players from going because what are the chances of coming down with a really terrible injury compared to getting lots of ice time, playing a bigger role on a team in Europe. I did see a really interesting tweet recently where I, I can't remember who it was from, but it was from somebody that obviously followed European hockey. And he basically put forward the argument, these European teams aren't here to develop your NHL prospects. Like, let's just get one thing straight here, North American hockey fans. Um, the These European teams are there to make the best team. They're going to play the players that they think are the best for them in certain scenarios. They're not just going to play these NHL prospects just because they're NHL prospects. If they're the right people to play in that position, fine. But they're not going to like stunt any of their own club team players' growth just to give an NHL prospect some more ice time, which is a completely fair argument to make. Now, that doesn't mean that the two things are separate. You can have a player, a prospect, that gets good ice time with the team, that plays well, and also he plays a role that means other prospects on the on the roster, other young players on the team can also get the ice time and development but let's just like make things like i think it's important to make one thing clear when it comes to all these players moving over to north america or moving from north america to europe they're fitting in with the team they're not going there to be the star player per se if they end up being the star player then great congratulations to them but at the same time like don't just think oh like it's only because like they've got that player on their team or or Nobody cares about the other players on the roster. They only care about that player. You might, but the the, the team, they have to put a roster together that can win hockey games. So um, that's just an important note to mention that I, I saw a little while ago. And I figured it was worth bringing up because obviously we've talked about NHL prospects moving overseas quite a lot in the last few episodes. But yeah, uh, Liberec and Mountfield HK taking the top of the Czech League so far this season. Only two games played, like Chris mentioned, so still very, very early on. But we'll update you as the weeks go on as to which... Uh, team is doing well uh, let's move on to the polish league now chris and um, this one has obviously played a little bit more than some of the other european leagues because they've had that extra week so uh, do you want to take us through the standings i've got them up here for yep. um, everyone to look at so take us through them so we've got four games played here uh, yep. in the polish league let me get my notes up there we go uh, so top of the table is kh torren uh, they've scored 16 goals in their four games. Uh, they're the only side to have won four for four. And they've had two shutouts in that as well. So wow. really strong start for them. Mm. Uh, a 5-0 and a 4-0 shutout uh, for uh, KH Torren. So really strong start uh, for them. They uh, are already three points clear. Don't forget Polish League, three points for a win. Yeah. Uh, hot on their heels is uh, Jastrobyr. Uh, they've scored 17 goals in four Ooh. games, but they have uh, conceded nine, um, as opposed to Torrens. Only three they've conceded. But Yastrobe uh, have hit seven on two occasions uh, already early on. So Damn. some big scores going in uh, around there. Uh, Una Osrashim, uh, I think kind of our, our Polish team, they, uh, they're in Third place, uh, Sherbatov again with a goal and an assist in the last game, and he missed a penalty shot as well. He's had a really good start actually to mm. um, his uh, time in uh, Poland. So he's, I think, he's on five points from four games. So really ah. good start from him. Uh, at the bottom, though, it's everybody's favourite. Let's set up camp on the other side of the country to you, Dosniowie uh, and <laughs> Dansk. Uh, they have lost all four of their games. They're on zero points and out of the playoffs at the moment. The only other team out of the playoffs is Zalabi Osvanshim. Uh, they're in ninth. They've got two points from their four games. And again, everybody else in the middle. But there's already that big uh, disparity between the top and the bottom 
it does make it look bigger than what hockey fans are potentially used to because mm. they've got three points for a win. So you look at it and you go, oh, they're three games back when they're actually only two games back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone's played four games there. There's no um, games today from that. The next fixtures in the Polish Hockey League are on Friday. They tend to play at weekends a bit more like the, the British Elite League. There's the Opmi Week game, uh, but majoritively in the Polish League, they're, they're a weekend league. The one team that really surprises me so far with the start of their season is uh, Krakow. They're seventh place in the league. They've got five points this season, one win, two uh, losses and, well, two uh, shootout losses and a regulation loss, I believe that is, right? Yeah, loss in overtime. Two losses in overtime will shoot out, one win, one loss. So five points in four games. They won their first game of the season or is that their most recent game? They've no, lost that's all the, the other most ones. recent one. Okay, yeah, you so go it goes that way, right? Got it, yeah, yeah. So they, they lost their first two games in overtime shootout, losing regulation, wins. They got a win recently. That's, you know, they're, they're starting to pick it up a little bit. But the reason I say they're the kind of team that I'm like, oh, really? Because they're always the team that seems to be in the Champions Hockey League every year for for Poland. Like, they, they always seem to be the team. It's like, oh, all the teams, and then Krakow. I'm like, okay, so the Polish League have a team in there. It's really, really interesting that they haven't necessarily had the best start to the year. And maybe, like we've said with a lot of these other leagues, it's showing a bit of a changing of the guard for some of these uh, some of these leagues and some of the teams that are doing well and getting the chance to go in the Champions Hockey League from now on, you know? Yeah, so it's GKS Tisha who are in the Champions Hockey League this year. Yes. And they're in fourth place at the moment. So they're having a, you know, they're not having a bad start to the season no, either. That's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those games, when those games carry on, whether uh, we, we keep seeing that or whether some teams come back into it. Because Krakow, I mean, losing your first two games on uh, penalty shots is uh, not going to do your confidence any good. No, but then again, they've picked up, got a win in their most recent game. So, you know, it's only up from here, right? You've got to hit rock bottom sometimes to climb up to the top. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to the final league um, that has had some stuff to talk about this week. And yep. that is the Danish Metaligen. Um a lot of the yep. teams only played one game so far. I would imagine this league is very much similar to uh, the Polish league in the sense that they play at the weekends and maybe that's it. Um, obviously, Chris might be able to update us with that based on the upcoming schedule. But Chris, you want to take us through this league and how things are going? Yeah, no, they've got they've got games, a few games throughout the weeks. Um, okay. the, the thing really with the Metalong is the fact there's only nine teams in it. So there yeah. isn't that many games. Um, as you said, everybody apart from uh, the Hello Eagles have played a game they played one game uh and it's the Fergus Hall Whitehawks uh, a 6-1 victory over Ruler Mighty Bulls uh, so they top the team the only other team that won in regulation is uh Suning Yiski uh, and they beat uh the Herning Blue Fox by six goals to three um elsewhere you've got Rungstad and Alborg they beat Odense and Eggsburg uh, in overtime by four goals to three, both of those scores. Um, so yeah, early uh, leaders, but they have literally been one game played. So there's not really much we can say yeah. um, because there's been one game. I I've got to say, Chris, like I, I didn't bring it up with some of the other leagues, but once again, your pronunciations, brilliant. Very impressed. <laughs> I, feel like you, I feel like you've really got a handle on it now. So that's why I'm kind of being like, Chris, you want to talk about like this league and all name all of the teams for me? <laughs> I've, I've found that as the weeks go on, I'm referring to my sheets less and less. So That's hopefully good. By, See? by kind of the end of October, I'll have them all just to memory and I won't need it at all. See, the good thing is, the good thing is we could talk about European hockey. It's a learning experience for both me and Chris too, because we get to sit there and learn how to pronounce new European hockey team names. So I've had a um, couple of people um, try and help me out with the pronunciations, which is obviously always much appreciated. Um, what I've tried to do for a couple of them, because... I would say there's a couple that I disagree with, but <laughs> just just for just for the information is I'm trying to say the the team names in the native language that they're in, yes. rather than how the English would say it. Yes. Um, so which is why I it sometimes doesn't appear to match up, but I'm trying to say it in the in the native tongue, so to speak. Um, basically, so basically quite, everybody else small brain chris big brain <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that but there's, there's still where i'm trying to say say it in a different way to how well, yeah, we yeah, might have heard you're it. trying to say it into the, in their native tongue which i think you should do yeah if we're talking about different european leagues across the continent i'd rather you try and pronounce it in their 
Like, I'd rather you try and pronounce it in their language, get it wrong, and then do it in the English one than to not bother at all, you know? <laughs> Whereas, like, I'm the one that's just kind of, like, either copying how you say it or saying it very English, like, <laughs> anglicized. So so they're getting both, you know? They're getting both sides of the coin. But Chris's big brain, uh, the rest of us, we just need to, like, let him be on his 5,000 IQ. So... <laughs> oh, anyway, that's the Danish league. Yes, that's the Danish league. Um, So we've got two new leagues um, starting up this uh, over the next we week We have. So, which is going to be very, very, very fun. Um, so the first league, I believe, is the Austrian league that's starting up over this it's, week. I've got a yep, lovely Austrian the, flag. Hang on, let me find it. It's the Bet at Home Ice Hockey League. The Bet at Home Ice Hockey League. So... Austria is getting hockey yep. back. Uh, is it Friday? Did you say Chris was when it started? Friday, ice hockey is getting uh, Austria is getting ice hockey back. I'll just bring the fixtures up on my phone. Okay, wonderful. So, so kind of similar yeah. to to last week, Chris. Uh, do you want to take us through the teams in the Austrian league? Uh, kind of the uh, the teams to look out for, the teams that did well last season. Can we have a little look at you know? How many imports? Like, are the top players more import related? Is it more like local grown players? Like, just give us similar to the three leagues that we did last week. Just give us a rough overview of uh, what to expect when we talk about the Austrian league. Uh, yep. Yeah, so the Austrian league, um, not entirely Austrian. It's a bit like the KHL. Um, okay. So it's predominantly Austria. There's one Hungary, one Italy, and one Slovakia. Okay. Uh, in there as well. Um, the team uh, that most people will know, I suspect, will be uh, Red Bull Salzburg yeah. um, and the Graz 99ers. Uh, that's those, those, those are the two kind of big teams. In terms of imports, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven imports and some dual nationals. So let's say about 10 uh, okay. imports in the squad. Um, uh, speaking of 10, there's 11 teams in the league, it looks like, which is, you know, a really weird number to have, I think. But I mean, considering, like, we can't talk with the Elite League this last season, so... Well, that is very true. Um, <laughs> so, I'll run through the teams for you. So, we have, uh, from Slovakia, the Bratislava Capitals. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, we go into Austria. So, we've got the Dawn Bernard uh, EC... Uh, then we've got uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, then we've got uh, Black Wings Linz, 1992. Uh, then we have in Hungary, we have the Fair Evar AV19. Uh, then the Graz 99ers, who, of course, we know well because uh, Ben Bounds has gone over there. Yep. Uh, long standing Cardiff Devils netminder. They've just announced a new uh, head coach today as well. Yes. Uh, plenty to uh, discuss with that as well. You've got HC uh, Bolzano. They're the Italian side. And then you've got Innsbruck, uh, Klagenfurter, uh, Vienna Capitals, and Villeher SV. So those are your teams. As I've said, there's about 10 uh, imports uh, per side. Let me just get up last season's standings, and I shall have a look to see what we've got in terms of game fixtures. So there are, uh, they do a weird, they split it again. So they split the season into a winner's stage and a loser's stage. Okay. Um, there's another there's another league that does that. And I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, but we've already spoken about it. So it might mm. be the Polish league. Um, in fact, it is the Polish league. Um, and... So it was HG Bolzano, the uh, Italian side who won the league last uh, season. Uh, yeah, I'll just uh, check how everything is working with this. Because apparently they've come first on 87 points and then Salzburg are second on 99 points. I'm, I'll just <laughs> check exactly how things yeah. going with this. Uh, it may be slightly um, askew, but um, obviously it was in the EBL last year. Um, so in terms of for the Champions Hockey League, of course, because we do have that as well. Um, so Bolzano won the regular season. So that's um, kind of clarification on that. So they did win the season. Don't ask me what um, the situation is with that. Who knows? Because I, I can't figure it out. Anyway, um, and then Red Bull Salzburg and the Vienna Capitals, who came second and third, are also in the Champions Hockey League. So it does work. I'm just not entirely sure what Elite Prospects is on with the points, Fair if I'm enough. being completely honest. 
Okay. Um, so, yeah. They Fair played enough. 48 games last season. So, some teams played 50. So, so, I think they play everybody maybe three times or twice home and away. That would give them 40. And then, yes, that makes sense. Right. So, they play everybody home and away twice. Okay. For 40. Then the top five go into the, that will be why the points are different. That makes sense now. So they play everybody home and away twice. The top five then split from the bottom six. Yeah. The bottom six then play everybody home and away again once, um, which gives them 50. The top five play everybody home and away again once, which gives them 48. So what I'm expecting that happened, um, and I don't think I'm actually able to find the results to get it um, perfect. Oh, no, I can. Right. What happened is uh, Bolzano were fifth, something like that. So they got into the winner's stage. Okay. And then won seven straight games in the winner's stage. So won the lift. The kind of winners mini bracket, yeah, yeah. So topped, so topped the season, even though over the full season they didn't get as many points. So, That's so essentially, happened. the Austrian league is very confusing, and when we get halfway through the season, we can try and figure out how it works. We'll we'll, we'll put it on it's the back more like burner. Three quarters be like, of the way through the season, but yeah, now yeah. I've seen it, I understand it, but I'm probably not explaining it in the best way no no i i think i get you it's more of at some point in the season they split off and then because they did really well yeah. in that second half that's what got them the the win yeah it's like a mini playoffs i suppose yeah. is the best okay. way of... um just some important uh to mention uh, a khl score has just come in um vityaz has managed to defeat avto mobilist in overtime a 4-3 win really? for them uh vityaz got their first away win against avto since 2012 so it's been a long time coming for them, uh, visiting Yekaterinburg, but they managed to get it done, so fair play to them. Um, so that's the Austrian League. We've got one more league to talk about before we uh, yep. uh, finish up in terms of the topics that we need to discuss on this podcast uh, before we go into some bonus content and everything. And that is, of course, the French League. Uh, what is it called? The League Magnus, I want to say? Uh, League Magnus, yes. Yes, that's it. I'm just trying to get a French flag up. Here we go. Boom, <laughs> French flag. There we go. Uh, baguettes and um, cheese. So, uh, Chris, take us through the French <laughs> League. Same kind of thing. Um, yeah, take it away. Right. French League, I, French League, I can do a bit better at it because I, I did French for a bit. So, uh, <laughs> there are 12 teams in the French League. Okay. We have Amiens, uh, Anguille, Anglais, Bordeaux, uh, Briançon, uh, Sergi, Chamonix, Gap, Grenoble, Mulhouse, Nice, and Rouen. Those are the teams well uh, in the French League. This gets on the way <laughs> on Saturday. Okay. I did pay attention in France. <laughs> did. And I know how to ask for a croissant in La Rochelle. Anyone who went to school in the anyone who went to school in the UK will know exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just the town in all of uh, our textbooks. Um, yep. French is predominantly an import league. Okay. I'm just looking at one of the teams. Uh, a lot of French and Canadian players. Mm. Um, so this is kind of what you would expect from a league that isn't as kind of strong as like the Swedish league or anything like that. So, so for context, um, for people that aren't too aware with the French league, um, the the where the area of in terms of the hierarchy we'd put it is roughly around the same kind of place as the elite league, for example. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you if you want to take the World Championships as a bit of context, um, uh, Team Great Britain had to beat France to stay in the tournament, and France went down. It came basically both teams came to their final game of the tournament, and it's kind of we're more evenly matched with them, and they're more evenly matched with us than most of the other teams in Europe. So, so it's it's kind of like lower tier league, lot of imports. Lots of players that have either spent time in the NHL or the AHL or the ECHL or have been bouncing around several European leagues for the last couple of years. It's kind of one of the lower stops. Maybe if they're getting towards the end of their careers or they maybe there's like a university deal coming in or something like that. There, there's obviously usually a, another incentive for them to go rather than just playing hockey. I, I think one player to keep in mind is a Zach Hamill, former first round pick by the Boston Bruins. He's joined... Uh, the uh, the Liga Magnus this year, so just wanted to add that in there. But carry on, Chris. 
It's all right. I was just last season looking at it, there was only 11 and now there's 12. So I'm just trying to work out who's come into the... Oh, a uh, cheeky bit of league expansion. Division. Oh, how exciting. They seem to be kind of... I mean, I may be completely wrong, <laughs> um, but they they seem as though they might be in kind of a bit of an elite league stage as well, where they're trying to, yeah, just, you know, grow the league a bit. Okay. Um, so I'm just trying to... Oh, there we go. It was uh, Sergi. Sergi wasn't in the league last year. Let me just check if they've uh, come up or if they've just... If they're a completely new side. Cheeky bit um, of expansion with the lads, Chris. Cheeky bit of expansion <laughs> indeed. They were in the French. They said they won French two last okay. year, um, and therefore in the league Magnus. But nobody has gone down, so they've expanded the league. Um, so again, relatively similar to the elite league here, really. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, I don't entirely know what the format is going to be because they've got obviously a different number of teams. Yeah. So last year they played everybody home and away twice. They may not do that this year. They may still do that this year and have a forty. Four game season. That would make the most sense. A, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a straight top eight uh, qualify for the playoffs. The bottom three last year had a classification round uh, to okay. see where they would finish. I don't know if they are planning, therefore, in the future to have some kind of like promotion yeah. relegation play in match. That maybe so. Well, we'll keep our eye on that mm. uh, come the come the summer. Um, because certainly they had a classification round and it made absolutely no difference um, in terms of any relegation this year. Yeah. Um, you can tell that they're kind of considered as one of the lower leagues in Europe because only, similarly again to the Elite League, only the league champions have been given a Champions yes. Hockey League place. That is Grenoble this year, who finished yep. four points clear of Rouen. Uh, so the team you don't want really to put your money on is Brinson. Uh, who got 10 points last year oh. and were 35 points below uh, oh. the next worst oh. place side. Um, so about 10 games back. They won two games all season. They did score 73 goals, but they conceded 202 for a goal difference of minus 129. Oh, my God. Um, do you know what I've just um, noticed, Chris? Um, you won't on. be able to see this because you can't see my webcam and you can't see the screen that this is being recorded on, but your red shirt... I'm wearing a blue shirt, and we've got ice on the background of our um, of our like. So we're a French flag. So basically, we are the French flag. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's kind of your French league, really. Um, Yeah. So I mean, just looking at the player stats from last season, all of the top uh, point scorers, the top four point scorers, are imports. Um, So. Uh, yeah, I mean, as to kind of be expected, as I said, with a league that's kind of similar to the uh, Elite League. But it'll be interesting again to see, hopefully, um, Brianson can have a bit of a better uh, better season than the two wins that they managed. Oh, sorry, three wins. They got an overtime win. I'm, I'm doing them a disservice. Hey! <laughs> they got an overtime win as well. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see what they can uh, come up with in the next uh, Yeah, Again, the French League, three points for a win. Seems there to be a very go. common thing in it's a very, very kind of mid to low tier European league thing by the looks of it. There's a couple it's of the big ones that do it though, as well. interesting thing though because it puts more of a reward on a regular time win. Yeah. And uh, there's obviously been talks about that in the NHL, for example. They're thinking, oh, they need to make a bit more disparity between the teams that just ride on a load of overtime losses or shootout losses and teams that actually like legitimately win games more often than not. Yeah. So it's a conversation to have regardless. Um, so let's let's finish off this episode of the podcast with one question, one audience question that I had, and that is from at Towel Sneeze. I want to get this one out of the way. We've had a couple of questions, but this was the best one because um, Martin at, Martin at Towel Sneeze reminded me of this because I completely forgot after the first episode. So you're a month late on this, Chris, but I forgot, so I'll take blame for it as well. Um, he asks. When is Chris Gadsby... Have I got it up on screen? No, I don't. Let me just bring it up. There we go. Um, when is Chris Gadsby picking his three forwards, two defensemen, one goalie by using only one nationality or one from each league for each player? So just to remind you guys, the first episode of the Europuck podcast, somebody sent in a question. Guys, can you pick three forwards, two defensemen, and one goalie? So basically a starting lineup where each of the players is 
one of the best guys in Europe, but you can't pick more than one player from one league. So have to have one Swedish Hockey League guy, one Finnish Liga guy, one KHL guy. Obviously, Chris has got a bit of uh, a bit of a bit of a different scenario to when I did it because the KHL has been up for the last couple of weeks, so he might be able to find a guy that has played well this year. He might have found a completely different guy that's played well more consistently over the last few years. He tells me he's got his list ready. So, Chris, finish off this episode. Take us through your list, please. Right, I'll, I'll race for it because there's uh, a couple of other bits potentially. Um, so we've got Timu Hatkainen in the KHL. Good choice. Uh, Milan Goulas in the Extra Liga. Okay. Uh, Emili Sumi from the Liga. I'm probably pr- butchering that. Doesn't but... matter. And then defensively in the Swiss National League, I've got Maxime Nero. Okay. Uh, in the SHL, Cody Curran. And then in the DEL, the netminder, Matthias Niederberger. Okay, I mean, uh, Cody Curran's a good choice. He won the uh, um, MVP last year in the Swedish Hockey League, didn't he? Was it Cody Curran that won that last year? I think it May was. Have done. I didn't really pay that much attention, I'll be honest, because I had to do it quite quickly. Cause, cause well, I, he I, sent I... us the reminding tweet at about, what, half past three, and we started <laughs> at five, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to be fair, I've um, been looking at uh, a list of, like, former NHL players that are playing in the Swedish Hockey League this year. Like, that's my uh, video that I'm hoping to upload this weekend, because um, my KHL one did really well this last weekend. So um, I, I was looking at, like, certain NHL players, and I found a guy that had won the MVP two years ago, and then I think Cody Curran was the one that won it for the 1920 season. So, yeah, I think you picked the SHL MVP. So uh, that's a pretty fair choice if you ask me, Chris. And on the back end as well. Um, makes it a lot easier for you. So, yeah, that's pretty much the this episode of the Europipe podcast. Episode 5 done already, Chris. I've got us uh, some bonus mm. clips there. Good to go. We've got a pretty long episode there. So to give you guys a bit of context, this is kind of how the podcast is probably going to be structured for the next little while going through each of the leagues individually, talking about the teams that have played quite well recently, the teams maybe not so much, and any other interesting news that comes with it at that point. And then towards the end, we do like our little bonus interesting stories. So you get like the main episode is going through all of the leagues and going into detail. The bonus clips that we upload exclusively on YouTube is like the more interesting stories that may not necessarily be related to one of the leagues specifically. So yeah, I, I think that's a really good place to, to end the episode. Uh, thank you for joining us, guys. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you want to keep updated on all things Europuck podcast or send us your thoughts, opinions, or questions, either from today's show or for our next show, definitely send us your questions. We would love to have them. Um, you can yep. follow us on Twitter at Europuck Podcast. Um, it's basically just the name, at Europuck Podcast. Go follow us. We're getting closer and closer to 400, 500 followers on Twitter. Got over 400 subscribers on YouTube, so we're, we're kicking things off quite well. I'm quite happy with how it's going. And if you enjoyed listening to either or both of your hosts today, which, uh, come on, of course you did, then uh, you can follow, of course you did, follow me on Twitter at OddmanRushYT, which is up there, and Chris at Chris underscore Gadsby over there on the screen, or I just read it out to you for the audio version, so there you go. Go follow us, we're great, you know. Um, But thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next time. Have a good one, folks.